Welcome and welcome back to the Popleston Allen podcast, where we discuss licensing topics to help you and also me get a better understanding of what licensing is all about. Today, I am joined by Associate Solicitor Suraj Dasool, who is based in our Nottingham office, and he deals with all things alcohol licensing. Suraj is joining me today to discuss the most common mistakes people make when applying for a premises license. How are you doing today, Suraj? I'm well. How are you, Paula? I'm very well, just very cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting to that time, isn't it, of the season? (laughs) I literally went autumn shopping the other day for new jumpers and everything. But um, so to just get a better understanding of what we're talking about today, um, can you just give a small overview of what a premises license is and what activities it does permit? So most people obtain a premises license, which is sometimes called a liquor license or an alcohol license for the sale of alcohol on or off the premises, sometimes both. However, the licence allows more than just that. It allows what's called regulated entertainment, such as um, playing of recorded music, live music, films, performance of dance, indoor sporting events, and even wrestling and showing of boxing, as well as permission to supply hot food and drink between 11pm and 5am. And it's not just vital for permitting alcohol sales and different styles of leisure operations, but it's also important for food takeaway businesses so that they have the appropriate permissions in place. And the license is granted to the premises rather than a specific individual. So you can see sort of securing your premises license can significantly increase the value of your property. And alternatively, if you have a premises license and it's revoked or it lapses, it can do the opposite and significantly reduce the value of your property. So this is definitely a license everyone wants and does need. Certainly in most cases, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So tell us about the most common mistakes people make when actually completing the application. Well, if we go over some of the the most common mistakes, the first one I would probably mention is confusing the premises license holder with the designated premises supervisor with the personal license holder. So there's a lot of names there that we can unpack. The premises license holder is the person or the company that holds the premises license, whereas the designated premises supervisor, known as the DPS in short, is required to be named for any premises license which authorizes the sale of alcohol. They're effectively the person who has day-to-day control and management of the premises and they need to have a personal license specific to them. And the way you go go about getting a personal license is, um, although it's specific to an individual who's passed a course and made the appropriate application for that personal license, and there can be several personal license holders working at the premises, but only one DPS who has day-to-day control overall. Another common mistake is paying the incorrect fee. The fee for a premises license application is based on the non-domestic rateable value of the premises and generally ranges between £100 to £635, although it can be much higher for large events like festivals and stadiums. There are also increased fees for larger venues like nightclubs and bars that are exclusively or primarily used for the supply of alcohol for consumption on the premises. And if you don't get the fee right, your application might be rejected or put on hold pending the correct payment of the fee and any delay, of course, might affect your opening day, for example. Another thing to consider is the hours and activities. You need to decide what hours you want 
for different types of licensable activities. So for example, sale of alcohol, regulated entertainment or late night refreshment and whether sale of alcohol will be on and or off the premises and whether entertainment and late night refreshment will be supplied indoors or outdoors or both. Also, as part of the application process, you need to make sure you get the operating schedule correct as this is part of your application and it sets out details of how the premises will operate and any particular measures or conditions you're willing to propose. You'll need to consider and explain how you plan to manage the premises, your employees, um, your customers to ensure you promote the licensing objectives. And remember that anything you put in your operating schedule can legitimately be converted into conditions by the licensing authority once the license is granted. So be careful what information you're putting in the operating schedule beyond that which is necessary. And therefore, if in any doubt, make sure you caveat any additional voluntary measures as for information only and not to be converted into conditions on the premises license to avoid any confusion. Any measures you will operate to ensure you'll promote the four licensing objectives that you're happy to be converted into conditions on the license should be stated in this particular section under the operating schedule details. So for example, conditions around CCTV operation at the premises or use of Challenge 21 or Challenge 25 as part of your age verification process as to sales of alcohol. Another common mistake is in relation to the plans of your premises. Now, you need to have licensing plans that accompany the application and they should provide details of the boundaries, points of access, toilets, stairs, steps, escape routes and locations where you'll be carrying out licensable activities. Permanent or semi-permanent items that could affect people's ability to use exit routes must also be shown. So for example, fixed seating, the bar or pool tables. And moving on from that, um, if, your, if your premises has a number of floors, then it's a bit of an obvious point, but make sure every single floor pan is included in your, in your uh, license application if customers will be using that particular area. Another point to remember is if you come to vary your layout of plans in future, perhaps on the ground floor, make sure you make it clear that the other floors remain unchanged, otherwise, otherwise the licensing authority might replace your three-floored plans with a one-floored premises if you only supplied a plan for the ground floor, for example, and forgot to provide the floor plans for the first and second floor, which could be problematic because you then wouldn't have the first and second floors potentially licensed. You also need to show proof of entitlement to work in the UK. So if you're a Applying as an individual for a premises license, you need to show that proof of entitlement and in any event in respect of the designated premises supervisor, again, they need to show the entitlement to work in the UK. Another common mistake is forgetting to nominate your DPS. Where you propose to sell alcohol as part of your premises license permission, you need to nominate someone to be your DPS, with the possible exception of community premises. So don't, don't forget to include the consent of that DPS, who must of course hold a personal license. So once you have all the above, you can complete your premises license application, which you can usually submit online via the government website, and then it will go through the consultation period. So going off your last point, um, let's say, for example, I wanted to apply for a personal license or every other normal person, what would we need in order to apply for one? So in order to apply for a personal license, the, the individual must be over 18 uh, years of age, uh, not have forfeited a personal license during the past five years, 
they need to be entitled to work in the United Kingdom, provide right to work or immigration status where necessary. They also need to hold an accredited licensing qualification such as the Award for Personal Licence Holders, APLH. And they need to supply two passport style photographs signed by a solicitor, professional person or a person of standing in the community. And on top of that, provide a criminal record check and disclosure of convictions. You can apply for your basic disclosure certificate from the Disclosure and Barring Service, known as the DBS. And, and just a note, if the person has any unspent relevant offences or foreign offences, the police are notified and they may object to the application. And if the application is not withdrawn, the licensing authority will hold a hearing where a decision to grant or refuse the personal licence is made. And finally, you need to provide the appropriate fee and complete an application form which needs to be submitted. Going off what we just discussed about the most common mistakes people make, what can the downside of these mistakes be? Well the application could be rejected for not providing the required information and documents and yeah, that could delay your, your, uh, the potential grant of your application, particularly if you're looking to open in a couple of months. It could affect opening timescales if you don't have your uh, license in place the way you'd like to operate or if you have not requested the correct permissions you know, your license might be granted but not operationally workable for your business also poorly written premises license applications can be likely to attract a lot of negative representations otherwise known as objections these representations can come from the police environmental health trading standards the fire service the licensing authority or any of the relevant responsible authorities. It can also come from other persons, including uh, local residents who have an interest in the area or other businesses in the local area. And this can lead to a contested hearing in front of the licensing subcommittee and could threaten the grant of your license or result in it being granted with onerous conditions being attached, for example. So now that we know what to avoid, um, how long should and does the application actually take? So once the application is submitted, there's a 28-day consultation period, and if no objections are received, no representations are made against the application, then it will be duly granted by the council following the end of that consultation period, and then on grant take immediate effect if you've requested it to do so. However, if representations are received and these cannot be resolved or withdrawn, then the matter proceeds to a hearing which is supposed to take place within four weeks of the end of the consultation period, although with some councils there can be a bit of a delay. At the hearing the licensing subcommittee will consider representations and then make a decision as to whether to grant um, the application and the license to reject it or to alter the terms or conditions of your premises license and grant it with altered terms and conditions. Uh, once you obtain a premises license it's valid indefinitely although it can be lost at a premises license review hearing and it can also lapse if the holder dies becomes incapacitated or insolvent and no premises license transfer application has been made in time. So what happens if despite the content of the application everything is done correctly, it's perfect, um, the application is actually refused? What does one do then? Firstly, given the complexity of this situation, I would urge licensees who are in this situation where they've had their application refused to take legal advice from licensing specialists to help advise on the best course of action. If the application is refused by the local council's licensing subcommittee following objections, there is the option to appeal the decision to the magistrate's court within 21 days of receipt of the decision. And you'd have to show that the licensing committee's decision is effectively wrong. And this can be difficult to show, and the appeal process is costly 
and can take significant time to reach an outcome. Alternatively, in some instances, you may wish to take time to consider the reasons for refusal, the objections, and then in time reapply with a fresh application, amended permissions and including any additional measures to better address those previous concerns, depending on your timescales. Well, thank you for joining and listening to this month's episode. Based on all the advice that Suraj has given today, we hope that we were able to give you a better insight on all the mistakes to avoid when applying for your premises license. If you have any queries or questions regarding this, please feel free to contact Suraj on his email on s.desor at popple.co.uk. Or please feel free to contact any of our other licensing solicitors, which you can find on our website at www.popple.co.uk. That is www.popall.co.uk and Popleson Allen on all our social media platforms. Thank you for listening.